You are Locked On Cubs, your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Cubs fans, and welcome to Locked On Cubs. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. You can follow me on Twitter. That's simply at Joe Kilgallen. Give this podcast a follow as well. That is at Locked On Cubs. All right, Cubs fans, got an exciting one to recap for you. The Cubs had an epic comeback against the St. Louis Cardinals last night down at Bush Stadium in St. Louis, in which they scored six runs in the ninth inning to overcome a 6-1 to deficit to win the game by a score of 7-6. to I'll be breaking down that game. Chris Bryant left with a little bit of an injury. We'll be talking about that and some other trade speculation going around Major League Baseball. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app and find one of our locked on rooms. Now, for those of you, some of you might be listening to this podcast for the first time. I'm a stand-up comedian. My name is Joe Kilgallen. I'm a diehard Cubs fan, born and raised in the city of Chicago, where I still live. And I want to tell you guys that everything's great. Okay, the world is a good place. I try to bring some positivity out there, everyone, because maybe some of you are tuning in for the first time thinking, what's this guy all about? That's what I'm all about. I'm about trying to bring positivity into the world. Have you guys been on Twitter at all lately? Nothing, nothing uh, uh, significant happened there. This is a little wink, by the way. If you really are listening for the very first time, this is a little wink because some stuff uh, did happen on Twitter. I, um, you can check Twitter for my official statement on the matter. And that's that. How about it? All right. The Cubs lost Monday night to the Cardinals. So we're already thinking, all right, we're now two and two to start this second half. Any glimmer of hope, any like little bit of a maybe, maybe we start off the second half just beating up on the Cardinals and Diamondbacks and Diamondbacks again because we're facing them this weekend at Wrigley. Wow. What if we get, what if we just shocked the world and won nine out of 10 to open up the second half? That would really put Jed Hoyer to a decision on what to do with some of these expiring contracts and the trade deadline looming. Wouldn't that be great? Yes, I was with you on that. Of course, it's nice to think, you know, you get the you get the all-star break to reset a little bit, you know, crack your back, stretch out a little bit, you know, get some much needed rest, rest the mind. It's important. And then you, you start to you let the brain wander a little bit. You start to think, hey, hey, what if now? What, what if this were to go down? What if that were to happen? If only, if only they just started playing like this. You know, I, I understand all that. But deep down in our hearts and in our brains, we kind of knew that the 11-game losing streak the Cub endured at the end of June into early July was the nails in the coffin. It was. Um, you know, I like to, again, I, I started this podcast talking about positivity, but also there's some realism to that. But you can still find things. I'm going to do an episode soon. I'm not sure when to drop it. If I should do it, you know, I've got, I do have a couple guests lined up. One is a prospects expert in which I think I want to save him for after the trade deadline. So we could talk about any newly acquired talent. And the other is someone who knows how to spin things into a positive uh, mindset, you know, because I think we need more and more of that in the world, right? That's not to say our heads are in the cloud or our heads are in the sand or whatever the expression is, because you could be optimistic and positive while still being a realist, you know, while still being upset. Look, we're all upset. Like I've said before, as Cubs fans, we've been going through this five stages of grief lately uh, with all the pending decisions that are coming towards some of our favorite players, right? But let's talk about the game that was. The Cubs offense was non-existent most of the game. 
They had scored one run early to take a one nothing lead on a Nico Horner ground ball with a runner on third, which you like to see because that's one of the reasons I've always been a big fan of Nico Horner hitting further down the lineup as opposed to batting first in this current lineup. Now, if the Cubs do the right thing in the offseason and add a few more contact bats, then you like a Nico batting like second. I'm not sure I really like him at the leadoff spot. Because again, leadoff spot, it did, like Dexter Fowler struck out a lot. People forget that. I think in 2015, he struck out like nearly 150 times. But it didn't bother you so much because there weren't people on base. It's the striking out when there are people on base that really drives you crazy as a fan. So that's why Nico, a guy who makes good, solid contact most of the time, him batting sixth, even fifth. Any of you Sabermetrics fans out there, I've read different studies, I guess, or analytics saying that the number five hitter should be your highest contact bat. And I read that fairly recently, and I remember immediately thinking, that's pretty much where Zobris was all of 2016. And Zobris was our best contact bat. So it clearly worked out then. The idea of this guy coming up and almost saving your four hitter from striking out, your four hitter being like a big slugger, you know, someone with high slugging percentage. He strikes out in a big spot. You got a guy right after him. It's like, all right, cool, man. I'll just I'll hit the ball hard somewhere. I'll drive the ball to the outfield. I mean, you're, you're running a base hit, but also a fly ball to left field when there's one on third base is nice. Nico Horner hit a ground ball uh, to get uh, Chris Bryant in to score the first run of the game. Just professional hitting. You got to like that, you know? And then here's the interesting thing. I guess I'll save the Chris Bryant talk for a little bit later. Let's focus more on the game that was. Trevor Williams looked like he had it going fairly decently through the first few innings. And then here comes uh, the fourth inning in which he gives up a home run to Nolan Arenado. Chris Bader then drives in two more runs. And then before you know it, uh, just the Cardinals were off to the races. They were. Tommy Edmond later comes in and hits a home run off of Rex Brothers. Rex Brother took, took over for Trevor Williams in the sixth inning. And Tommy Edmond went deep. And then after that, Jose, Jose uh, Rodon hit a home run, too, to make it 6-1. Because Tommy Edmund made it 5-1. I guess it was only four runs scored off of Trevor Williams. I thought he pitched a little bit worse than that. Here's his line. He went five innings, four earned, seven hits, one walk, three strikeouts, gave up one home run. He's a 5-6-8 earned run average on the season. Look, I was, I was a fan of the Trevor Williams signing because he put together a pretty good 2018 he didn't do much in 2019. 2020 is kind of a throwaway season for a lot of people, so I didn't judge too harshly numbers there. But he had a dynamite slider, and he looked like the type of pitcher that the Cubs' pitch lab had been turning around as of late. Over the last two seasons or so, the Cubs had been finding these gems, mostly in the bullpen. Now, when they picked up Trevor Williams and Cole Stewart in the offseason, I kind of started thinking to myself, all right, maybe they're going to try to apply what they've done to bullpen arms to starting pitchers. Let's see how this works out. Because you Darvish was singing Tommy Hadovy's praises. In his opening press conference with the San Diego Padres, you Darvish credited Tommy Hadovy, the Cubs pitching coach, with turning him around. Because we all know you was hurt slash bad in 2018, which again makes 2018 insane because we won 95 games with him doing nothing. 2019 got off to a poor start. And then right around late June, through the rest of the year, you Darvish was lights out. In the second half of 2019, you Darvish was, I think, the second best pitcher in all of baseball. I can't quite remember. Maybe Garrett Cole was better statistically. Although Garrett Cole, though, look what he's doing without the sticky stuff in the hand. You know what I mean? 
So you Darvish again, probably the best pitcher. You Darvish in 2020 should have won the Cy Young. Trevor Bauer edges him out. What's Trevor Bauer look like without the sticky stuff? A lot of cheats. A lot of cheats out there robbing our Cubs. And so I thought maybe Trevor Williams was going to be a guy that they could figure something out with. It's a low contract, a couple million bucks. Had a few nice starts early on. Love the story about his father growing up a Cubs fan. Used to be a vendor at Wrigley. He gets to see his son pitching a Cubs uniform. That's really great. I think that's a great thing. But long term, I don't think Trevor Williams is the guy. I really don't. I mean, I think they'll give him enough looks toward the end of the season because why not? Maybe they could tweak something and figure it out. And then maybe he does start to pitch lights out. And to the fans out there who think to themselves, okay, well, so he pitches great in August and September when we're already out of it. Why would that inspire us to bring him back next year at the start when things matter again? I get it. That's true. I've witnessed many a player who they start to tear it up once their team's 10 games out, and it's frustrating as a fan to witness. But then again, with pitchers, though, it's a little different. And you have to see who they're facing. Are they facing a lineup that's desperately trying to win? Because that's the difference. The reason I got high on Adbert Alzali toward the end of last season, well, the stuff was already there, but I remember his start against the White Sox in the final weekend of the season in 2020. The White Sox were desperately trying to win. They were in a bad run going into the playoffs where they had lost like 8 of 10. And Adbert was facing them, and that, and that lineup was still dynamite. And he, he tore them apart. He had some of their best hitters shaking their heads, walking back to the dugout. So right there, I was like, I want Adbert in the 2021 rotation. And he had a little bit of a rough spring, but then faced the Dodgers in the final tune-up before the season began and did great against them. And David Ross was smart enough to say, no, I'm not going to let a few weird starts in the beginning of spring dictate this guy's future. I think he's got the goods. He's got the stuff. He's going to be in the rotation. And then Alec Mills got, got booted out because of that, I suppose. And Alec Mills has looked better of late. So it all worked out there. But Adbert, to me, still, though, is a guy who with ace upside. I will say it. Ace upside. Some people say number two upside. I think even better. You got to look at the quality of hitter in which he retires. And there's some of the best hitters in baseball have walked away feeling helpless against an Adbert Elzelay plate appearance. He needs, though, he needs, and I'm sure I've said this before after one of his most recent starts, he needs to figure out a third pitch to throw to left-handed hitters. Because if he faces a, bad, a lineup of all righties, I mean, he's going to put up no-hit stuff. It's lefties he struggled with a little bit of late. He still has had some good approaches to lefties, but with that, that slider's not biting as strongly toward lefties, they're going to rock it. Because the home run ball has bitten Adbert on more than one occasion this season. That's why his ERA's in the mid-fours. He had a nice stretch there of about six or seven starts where he's given up just one or two runs here or there, but they were solo home runs. And then there's a start or two where it's like, all right, five runs, six runs, and four innings. Those are the starts that keep your, your ERA in the fours. I'm expecting a strong final two months from Adbert to bring his ERA back down to a respectable level because the stuff plays. That stuff plays. The Wild Alaskan Company. We all know we should be eating more fish to get our omega-3s and protein, but the seafood counter can be intimidating. Which fish tastes the best? Some of these cuts, I don't even know. I'm like, what is that? You just made up a fish? Is that Nemo? Are you serving Nemo? Come on. Wild Alaskan Company takes the guesswork out of the buying wild-caught seafood equation. 
You're used to having a lot of choices when it comes to what you eat, but it matters where your food comes from. Quality. Get that nutrition from nature. The Wild Alaskan Company sources wild-caught seafood from Alaska and the Pacific Northwest. It delivers high-quality, sustainably sourced, wild-caught seafood right to your door. So here's what you want to do. All right, right now you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. That's right, wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB for $15 off your first box. You can't beat that deal. Let them know. Lockdown Cubs sent you. All right, let's talk about that wild ninth inning of the Cubs-Cardinals game. Again, the Cubs won 7-6. to six. They went into the, t- the ninth, the top of the ninth. They're the road team, trailing by five runs. Six to one was the score. Now, the Cubs have not scored six runs to win in the ninth inning of a game since the 70s. That's how long it's been since they've overcome a deficit like this to win the game 7-6. The ninth inning starts innocently enough. Innocently enough, it starts. Patrick Wisdom is leading off the inning. And Patrick Wisdom reaches on uh, a pass ball. That was a wild pitch. It looked like a pass ball to me. I just want to give Yadi or Molina worse stats than he's got, right? As Cubs fans, there's something about that dude. Not a fan, Yadi. You're overrated. So he reaches. Then Nico Horner singles, ground ball up the middle. Um, there's actually a little chopper, I should say. Patrick Wisdom goes to third on a throwing air from uh, Paul DeJung. Sorry, I, I read that wrong. Um, you know what? I'm reading off the MLB app, and it says like Nico Horner singles on a ground ball to the shortstop. That seems weird. You know what I mean? So obviously, it was an infield single. Paul DeJung made it worse by throwing the ball away. So now you got first and third. And then Jake, you know, a little mound, mound visit. They go, hey, how's it going? You all right there? What's going on? You know, we got a five-run lead. Let's not mess around, okay? Cubs at first and third, nobody out. Jake Marisnik walks. So now there's another mound visit in which they're like, all right, you're out. Pitching change. Alex Reyes, you're coming on in. Luis Garcia hit the showers. Then Sergio Alcantara comes in. Bam, look at that. He walks. Patrick Wisdom scores. Nico to third. Marisnik at second. We got bases loaded. It's a 6-2 ball game. We are cooking. Things are cooking. Here comes Wilson Contreras, one of our more clutch hitters who's been hitting the ball really well of late. What does Wilson Contreras do? He strikes out. That was actually, that was a real bummer because now it's one out, bases are loaded. You're thinking a ground ball might end this game. Come on. You know, you're getting real angry right now, right? But then Anthony Rizzo comes up, professional at bats always from Anthony, even when he's been struggling this year, even when his strikeouts are up a tick, because I definitely think there's a mental side of things right now. Anthony Rizzo's thinking to himself, I've done everything for this organization. They don't extend me in spring training. Also, news came out that there's been no new talks between the Cubs and Anthony Rizzo on the David Kaplan show. Anthony Rizzo goes on with David Kaplan here in Chicago locally, ESPN 1000, in which Rizzo said status quo. Nothing new has been talked about. I don't know where these reports are that the Cubs are trying to extend me currently. Nothing. So I'm sure that has affected Anthony Rizzo's overall season. Some of you might think to yourself, toughen up, Buttercup. You're getting $16 Put that stuff aside. I tend to agree with that. But we also have to remind ourselves, baseball is an incredibly mental sport, more so than any other sport. Rizzo has a nice at-bat. Works the walk. We get another run in. Scores now six to three. They get another mound visit out there going, hey, what's going on, guys? What's going on? Don't we want to win this game so we could go out and boring St. Louis and have a boring time? What's going on? That's that's what I imagine the pitching coach was saying. Now Javier Baez comes up, sharp single up the middle, nice ground ball, finds the hole, two run score, Alcantara scores, Marisnik scores, Anthony Rizzo to second. We got first and second, and it's a six-five ball game. 
Now, here comes Ian Happ. Ian Happ, drafted by the Cubs in 2015. Nine, nine overall, I want to say. he uh been struggling. We all know. I mean, there's a lot of calls for Ian Happ to be demoted back to AAA Iowa. He should be riding the bench all season. What happened to him? Maybe he should quit the podcast. Try, stop trying to sell us coffee all the time. What What's going on? But look, everyone. I know when we get angry, we angry, we tend to get a little personal. I think that's unfair oftentimes. Ian Happ is a great human being. He's done a lot of charitable work. He, he's visited sick people in the offseason. He's he's a good dude who nobody wants to play better than Ian Happ more than Ian Happ does. All right. So I get being mad. Get, don't get me wrong, but it's it's a little frustrating when people get personal with it, you know? It's like you tweeting out he sucks or calling in a sports radio that this guy's terrible. It does it does nothing. I'm not pretending like he's not having a terrible year. He is. He's having an awful, awful season. He's got that long swing that I've been criticizing him for as of late. I just feel like he he tightened it up in 2020. I don't know what happened this year. But then he comes up, big spot. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh, come on, Ian. Please help change the narrative. People are expecting you not to do anything right now. Change the narrative. Make these Cardinals fans upset. Make them sad. Do something. Please, Ian. Come on, buddy. Focus. I know you got it in there. I know that star player is still inside you somewhere, Ian. Come on. Where are you, Ian? Come out and play. Let's go. Takes an inside fastball. Hits it hard right down the line. Weren't playing. They weren't playing to prevent doubles. So here comes Anthony Rizzo, who we all know, just a speedster. That guy could fly around. You know, he's got a piano on his back. We all know that Rizzo chugs along. And he comes in to score. Javi being the phenomenal base runner he is, he comes around to score. Two-run double. Bam. What's the score now? Seven to six. Cubs take the lead. Uh, Jason Hayward then grounds out. And then Patrick Wisdom strikes out to end the inning. Patrick Wisdom struck out twice in the same inning. That's not fun for anyone, but I do love Patty Wisdom. He's been having a great season for the Cubs. Needs to cut down on the strikeouts, though, as I could say for pretty much all but like two or three hitters on the Cubs. Now we go to the ninth. Who do we call in? Craig Kimbrell. Dirty Craig. Best closer in baseball. Future Hall of Famer Craig Kimbrell. The guy that so many fans wrote off as saying he's done, he's a bust, but really, he needed a spring training. Remember, baseball was really weird when we signed him in 2019. There was him and Dallas Keuchel didn't sign until June. There was a thing going on where like teams were not spending, and these guys were like, "Well, we want what we're worth." See, the problem with the spending, and I hinted at this recently, and that's what's kind of scaring people about this upcoming CBA battle that's coming with the collective bargaining agreement between the owners and the players' union, and people feel like a strike or a lockout or whatever you want to call it is going to happen in 2022. I'm hoping cooler heads prevail. I think they're already working towards uh, writing the ship, which is great. And I'm hoping that the players union has a short memory and forgets what had happened in 2019 and other years where players weren't signing until spring training. Even the year Bryce Harper and Manny Machado were free agents. These were two 26-year-old superstars entering their prime. Most people think a player's prime is 26 to 31, 32. That's like your best years. You know, your early 20s, you're on the come up, and then you have your prime where you are just consistently an all-star if you're an all-star player. But your prime is when you're consistently at your best. Then you take that dip on the other side of like 32 or so. Some hitters age better than others, though. You know, David Ortiz was just a DH. He was like, I'm just a hitter. I go up there and hit. I mash baseballs, and I swear into microphones. David Ortiz. 
That was really cool when David Ortiz dropped those F-bombs, though. You got to rally. You got to rally a city sometimes. I'm, of course, referring to when he did that speech, that Boston Strong speech, which was phenomenal. So I think, though, what was going on there when Kimbrell and Keuchel didn't sign until later and all that, a lot of teams looked at kind of what the Cubs did, in a sense, with their rebuild, where they're like, yeah, look at this team. They're not – the Cubs had back-to-back seasons in which we traded our – starting pitchers and i remember people being like why would you trade these guys why don't you add maybe you could win a wild card it was they were looking at like look we're trying to rebuild something special here that's going to be perennial and a long-term fix we want a seven-year window where we're winning a lot of games and going to the playoffs every year maybe if we made the right trades we could possibly get close to a wild card but if we don't we're just some 84 win team that has bad draft position next year and it was all for not and so that's what a lot of teams started to do They looked at what they had and thought, well, we're not going to go to the playoffs this year and there's no glory in winning 82 games. So we're going to try to win 65 games. And so because of that, a lot of free agents and a lot of people who were like on that border where it's like, "Mm, yeah, you've got a nice body of work, but no one's going to give you what you're worth because that's just what the market is. See, you see what I'm saying? And and because of that, there's a lot of, of good players that had to end their careers a little bit early because of that. And and that's a shame to see sometimes because it used to be every team would try to win every year and yeah, they would come up short, but they were still trying, not every team. Of course, there were some teams that were just flat out. We're going to play all our young players and see what happens. But for, for a lot of, you know, the Cubs had those years where the signings of Marlon Bird, Carlos Pena earlier before that with Jeremy Burnett, they never made that much sense, but at least as a fan, you felt like, all right, they're going for something. Um, yeah, so it, there's a, that landscape of baseball free agency has changed a bit. And Kimbrell, when he showed up in 2019, didn't have a spring training, didn't have a full go. I know they kind of worked him out a little bit. He said he was ready, but you could tell there was just something off. Mechanically, his arm slot was different. All the things that you work out in March didn't get worked out. Same thing happened in 2020 when a pandemic hit. He started to figure it out right around mid-August of 2020. The first bad two weeks of the season, and you're like, man, what is this guy? Is a... And, you know, David Ross, I gave a lot of credit to. He stopped putting him in the closer's role. There, that was a big deal. Kimberly and him were friends, too. They played together in Atlanta. So I remember a lot of people questioning David Ross early, thinking, is he just going to be buddy-buddy with his guys? And I'm like, I don't think that's true. And I think a lot of fans think that at times when they're like, well, clearly he won't yell at Rizzo or Bryant. And I go, that's, that's an unfair assumption. You know, I've got a lot of friends I yell at all the time and, and they don't call me sometimes after that, but you know what had to be said, had to be said. And now Kimbrell gets a full spring training, you know, and everything just looks like the guy he once was, which was a top end closer. And he comes in, strikes out Matt Carpenter right away, who I don't know how old he is, but he feels like he's very old. Every now and then I see Matt Carpenter and I'm like, this guy's still playing good, good on him. Dylan Carlson lines out to left fielder Ian Happy at the ball pretty decent. And then Paul Goldschmidt gets absolutely frozen on a nasty pitch to end the game. Three up, three down, two Ks. I mean, Kimbrell has been phenomenal. 0.56 earned run average. Now it's 22 saves and 24 uh, chances. And even the two blown saves were because of that extra inning rule with a runner on second. Not really even all that fair, if you ask me. So there's a lot to be uh, a lot to be had for K- Craig Kimbrell. I definitely think he's going to be on his way out the door. It's very interesting, though, because it looks like he is the hottest commodity on the trade market. Built Bar, everybody. Did you know that Built Bar has 
an incredible amount of delicious flavors, there is something for everyone. So when you talk Built Bar, you need to know that they have the best flavors. Seriously, I tell everyone all the time, it's not just your typical ones. They've got coconut, they've got raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, all of them. All of them are great. Which one do I try? I don't know. How about a whole box of them, right? Built Bar also has 17 to 18 grams of protein per bar. Calories range from 130 to 180 calories. Here's the best part. Only four to five grams of sugar. That is a big one. Because you're getting all that nutrition, you're getting all those pro- all that protein, but it's not overloaded with sugar like so many other nutritional bars that are in the market right now. That's how they get you. You're thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a great start to my morning. Then you crash because you got 30 grams of sugar in you. Who needs that 230 crash? I don't. So it's all amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. So here's what you want to do. You want to go to BuiltBar.com and try promo and type in promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15. 15% off your order at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. That's awesome. Fully Loaded Chew, everyone. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz you're used to without tobacco. Available in nine flavors. Everyone's got nine flavors these days, it feels like. Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, which is the purest form of nicotine available. You know that? So get yourself a tin of this stuff so you can do that cool dipper snap, that pop, 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 pop. You know that snap that people do? You gotta admit, that's pretty awesome. I've never was able to do that very well. So check this out, okay? All other nicotine pouches are dry white pouches. Nothing dips, spits, and packs like fully loaded chew. Fully Loaded Chew is offering Lockdown Team listeners a special offer. Right now, you could try a can for just a buck. That's right, just $1. Go to FullyLoadedChew.com and use promo code LOCKDOWN. Just $1 and free shipping if you use the code LOCKDOWN at checkout. So next time you go for a dip, make it Fully Loaded Chew. FullyLoadedChew.com. All right, Cubs fans. Chris Bryant made a phenomenal play in left field, diving towards center field in the gap. Looked like it was a double all the way, but KB showing his versatility, plays a wonderful third base, plays a great first base, and looks good in the corner outfield. And you know what his favorite position is? Center field. He was interviewed several times during the All-Star break in which they asked him, hey, Chris, you played all these positions this year. What would be your number one position to play if you could play this position for all 162? Without hesitation, KB said, center field. That's my spot. So, And I think he looks good out there, actually. Some people are like, ah, he's too tall, he's too big. I think we're so used to the prototype of a center fielder being some guy that's 5'10", that could run like the wind. Dexter Fowler was 6'5". There have been a lot of tall center fielders. He's not the only one. I, I know it's... It, Look, I don't think Chris Bryant's the long-term solution at center field, but if we extend Chris Bryant as we should, I wouldn't mind giving him a go in center field while Brennan Davis is warming up. I think Brennan Davis will be up around June, though. So I would be more than happy to give Chris Bryant third base slash corner outfield spot of his choosing, but it's nice to know he could play some center field. So Chris then comes into play. He doesn't get pulled right away. About an inning and a half or two, he gets pulled. And it's uh was reported as hamstring tightness, hamstring discomfort was the uh, diagnosis. And immediately I see calls for Chris Bryant. Well, first people thought, oh, he's been traded. 
He's been traded. Why would they pull him right now? Oh my God, is this the end of the Chris Bryant era? His last game is in St. Louis, a city we know he's called boring. Why? Why do this to us now, Cubs? Please no. That's what a lot of fans were thinking. Are there some fans who are like, good, he's overrated anyway. By the way, you're wrong. Okay, you're wrong. Did Chris Bryant turn out to be an MVP every season? Like, no, and f- few people do, but still, this guy is a perennial all-star. Okay. I really, and I really think you give him a long-term deal where he gets to relax. He's been hearing about trade rumors since 2018, which is so bizarre because 2018 was his first down season. It wasn't even a down season. He was 20% better than league average at the plate. He missed 60 games with a shoulder injury and took a fastball to the head. And that was the first year he's hearing trade rumors. Imagine if you're Chris Bryant and you're like, well, let's see here. I've been a minor league player of the year. I was the second overall pick in 2013. Oh, before I was drafted, I was college player of the year. So he went college player of the year, drafted number two overall, first minor league season, he's minor league player of the year. Then he gets called up, he's rookie of the year. Then he's MVP World Series champion. That That's how he begins. You know, It's insane how good he was. 2017, he was a better hitter, you could say, than he was in 2016. Even with the home runs down a little bit, he higher on base percentage, higher slugging percentage. He's, you know, And then 2018 comes, he gets banged up. For the first time as a baseball player, he's missing some time. And he has to listen to trade rumors. That would that would hurt me too. I think that would hurt most of us. And if you're saying otherwise, I don't know if you're being quite honest with yourself. So I definitely think that once some of these guys have the security of not hearing the rumors and all that, I think they would play better. Now, that's not me saying we need to bring everyone back. But it's definitely, I'm just saying, Prepare yourself, Cubs fans, because when one of any of these three or four, if you want to count Contreras, are playing in another uniform and they're playing at like peak performance level that they were with the Cubs, if they're looking like all-stars again, don't think to yourself, this is just Cubby luck. Because it's not luck. It's a situation that was created with ownership in the front office in which they had a work environment that was distracting. You know, and I think that goes away with a lot of different jobs. I think people thrive in better environments. There's a reason all these big tech companies have like ping pong and pool tables and all these other stuff. They know if we create an atmosphere in which people want to come to work every day, they're going to deliver. And the lazy ones who fall asleep in their beanbag chairs, then we'll remove them because clearly they took advantage of our kindness. So it goes down to that. I really think, you know, these tech companies put tons of money into research and human performance and everything like that. So I don't believe they're wrong. But to the people who also think, is Chris Bryant soft? He gets hurt again. Every time he dies for a ball, he's injured. I don't think it's a real injury. I don't. I think he'll, I think he might play tonight or he might play tomorrow. I, we're not sure yet. I haven't heard the news. I was, I was scrolling through Twitter, checking the sports stations. I haven't heard anything yet, but that's my guess. My guess is that. He made the diving catch, came back in. He was like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then later, Jed Hoyer or someone sent a message down. Again, this is all speculation on my end, but it makes sense. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, theorist, but I think this makes sense. They said, hey, listen, let's take KB out. I don't want him aggravating anything. I don't want him making another diving catch and truly injuring himself. Let's take him out precautionary if for two reasons even. For number one, trade value, of course. If he's injured, injured, we can't trade him. But if he's out right now and it's a sore little hamstring and teams keep come calling, we're like, oh, we just don't want him diving at it again. He's totally fine. He could play again. But we're we're thinking about you, team that might potentially give us prospects for Chris Bryant. And then on the other side of that, the Cubs are thinking we want to keep him long term. We also want to show his value where it's like, hey, listen, we're aware that the season's a little lost right now. 
and we want to invest in you long term. So it doesn't make sense right now for you to go trying too hard in a game that doesn't really matter. You know, I mean, they all matter. You always want to beat the Cardinals. So I'm not saying that they don't want to win, but also you're not going to, you know what I mean? If we had some phenom rookie pitcher, if Braylon Marquez was coming up and he kind of rubbed his elbow a little weird in between pitches in a meaningless game, you'd be like, get him off the mound yesterday. Do not risk injury. None of this means anything. Let's get him healthy for when we're competing again. That's the mindset I'm going with here. All right, everyone, that has been the podcast. That has been Locked On Cubs for Wednesday, July 21st. Today is my mother's birthday, so I have to wish her happy birthday. I hope everyone has a great day. Be kind to one another. Be understanding. Be empathetic. People make mistakes. Remember that. That's my life lesson for all the kids out there. You guys take care of yourselves, and as always, go Cub. Locked on bets, everybody. Betting on the NBA, MLB, or NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts.